passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Enquirer publisher here with you as we make our way through our Illinois football position previews here on the podcast. Also been doing my position primers, which is a VIP breakdown. Gives a lot more of my thoughts on this, uh, a little bit of insight into what the, those players of each position, the coaches at each position have said about those guys. So definitely check those out. Uh, this is just meant to be a supplement to all of that, but I think it's been a lot of fun. I hope you're having a lot of fun and getting a lot of information from these as well uh, from some former Illini who are giving some really good insight into each of these positions. We're almost done with our offense. This is the last one today. We're doing the offensive line. This is the last one we'll do on the offensive side of the football. We included the tight ends a little bit in the wide receivers, uh, so did that with Mikey Dudek. Maybe I'll give a little bit more thoughts on that a little bit later on in a podcast as we break down a little bit more as we get into the season. But uh, talked quarterbacks with Riley O'Toole, and it was great catching up with Riley. Of course, ended his Illini career on a high note, leading the 2014 team to a bowl bid. Talk running backs with a guy who knows the running back room very well, and that is Dre Brown. Go back and listen to that. If you want to get some insight into Chase Brown, Jakari Norwood, Kenyon Sims, of course, Mike Epstein. Uh, he gives a great breakdown of all those guys because he was in the room with them last year. And uh, talked wide receivers with fan favorite Mikey Dudek, as I was talking about. Talked a little tight ends with him as well. Uh, especially about what all these newcomers could add, what he saw from the guys who transferred in last year, and what he thinks the guys who can transfer in this year, uh, what they can add as well. Uh, but I got to be honest with you, I talk to this guy often, but I was looking forward to this conversation more than any. Just to give you a little background, in high school I was 5'9", 180, 185, basically the same thing now. Uh, but I played at a Class 4A school, and I wasn't athletic enough to play fullback, wasn't uh, athletic enough to play running back. So they stuck me on the offensive line when I was young. And uh, I worked my way up and was pretty good at it. Um, you know, scrappy, smart, kind of the Doug Kramer of 5'9", 185. Uh, but at that level, I, I made my way. And I was a starting uh, player for two years, varsity at Piatone High School. Made the playoffs my junior year. Don't want to talk about my senior year. Went 0-9. I was team captain, dislocated my ankle. Not not a good year. But I met my wife that year, and uh, that worked out pretty well for me. Um but yeah, I mean, I just always, offensive line has always been close to my heart. I think I show that with my coverage of the offensive line with this team, but I just know that the average fan maybe doesn't focus on it a lot, and understandably so. You follow the ball most of the time, and I do during games, follow the ball most of the time, 
But whenever I can, I look up in the press box and look at the replay so I can see what happened. What created that hole? What what allowed Reggie Corbin to do that? What allowed Brandon Peters the time to make that throw to Josh and Matt Torbebe? The offensive line sets it up. And uh, Illinois has a pretty good offensive line here. Uh, they have four returning starters. You know the names by now. You should. Alex Palczewski, who's a four-year starter. Vidarian Lowe, a four-year starter. Doug Kramer, a four-year starter. Kendrick Green, going to be a three-year starter. All these guys got baptism by fire, and they got uh, the worst of it for the most part early on in their careers. But it has really paid off, I think, heading into this year as this group is talented, they are experienced, and they are gelled together. So I talked to Martin O'Donnell about how good was this group actually last year? How good can they be this year? And who fills that fifth spot now with Blake Gerasati out? And what does the future look like for this offensive line as well? I love talking offensive line with Martin O'Donnell. If you don't already know, Martin was an All-American here at Illinois playing guard, uh, part of that Rose Bowl team, huge part of it. And of course, now he is the Illini Play by or not play by play. He is the Illini color analyst, uh, breaking down Illinois football for you on Illini Radio Network with Brian Barnhart. It is a fantastic crew. Martin is as good as it gets. Plus, he's a White Sox fan and he's just a good dude. I always love talking football with Martin. And if you want to learn a bit more about the offensive line at Illinois, but also offensive line play, listen to this podcast. Martin O'Donnell with the goods and the offensive line coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Welcome back into the Line Enquirer podcast. And I always love getting advice about line play from this guy because he knows it so well. And uh, as he knows, line play is uh, where it all happens for the most part. And uh, Illinois has definitely improved up there the last couple of years, especially on the offensive line. And that's where I want to start with Martin O'Donnell, uh, voice of the Illini and the Illini Radio Network, along with Brian Barnhart. He's the analyst for the Illini Radio Network. Martin, what's up, man? We're finally getting football back. Finally getting football. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I uh, had a little pity party when they announced they weren't playing, and then uh, I think it's going to be a little bit surreal until they kick the ball off on the 24th. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel that they're actually, Martin, especially this team, right? We feel like we've been building up to this team, that they're actually going to be able to play, even if it's a different schedule, it's a different feel with no fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm obviously excited for the players, excited for the coaching staff. I mean, it's it's kind of been, I mean, it's been a roller coaster from the outside, right? But I mean, I can't even imagine 
you know, as, as a college football player or a coach, your life is so regimented around schedule and, um, you know, fall camp and then into the season. And so having kind of stops and starts has to be tough. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the 2020 version of Illinois football because you said it, Jeremy. I mean, this is this is something that obviously Lovey Smith and his staff have been building for. And so I'm, I'm excited to see this team play, even though it's a, you know, a little bit of an abridged schedule. That's fine. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I was looking forward to the non-conference games, but mm-hmm. uh, just because that's more football. But at the end of the day, it's about competing and winning not only in your conference but in your division and so you know we're going to see how this Illinois team stacks up with the schedule well Martin uh, I think one area we definitely know they've improved the last couple years and and boy these guys have played a lot of football being thrown to the fire as as true freshmen Uh, but they returned four or five starters again on that offensive line and everyone inside the program outside the program thinks this is a strength so let's start here uh, Martin with the offensive line how good was this group last year do you think you know, I thought that they were pretty good, right? I mean, I think they're they're obviously, you know, extremely experienced. It's a group that's played together quite a bit. You have some good chemistry going. Um, you know, they've had to replace one guy each of the past couple of years. You know, Richie Pettibone doing a really nice job stepping in for Nick Allegretti. And then, uh, you know, this season you're looking for Blake Gerasati to step in. Uh, he winds up having surgery. So they got to kind of find out, you know, who fills in that other guard position. But, you know, it's a group that, to this point, I, I want to see them really be dominant this year. I think that's, that's the name of the game, you know, for this group this season is, you know, they were able to show it um, at times last year. I mean, they were standing toe-to-toe with Wisconsin, you know, beating them, you know, providing enough time and protection and, and running lanes against Michigan State to make something happen there. You know, kind of that, that run they had uh, in the Big Ten in, in October and early November showed what they could do, I think, what I really want to see them do this year is really dominate. And I think they have the ability to do it. And it's just a matter of them doing it on a consistent basis. And, you know, when I'm really talking about dominating in terms of the offensive line, I want to see them establish the line of scrimmage early in a football game. You know, I want there to be no doubt what's going on. Um, you know, third and short, fourth and short, you get in those situations. I want to feel very comfortable that this group can consistently open up the lanes. And so I really look at, you know, I look at rushing yardage per game. Where do they stack up in the conference? You know, I don't really care about the rest of the country. I don't know where they stack up in the conference. And then it's sacks allowed. And I think that was one thing last year was mm-hmm. Illinois allowed too many sacks uh, on Brandon Peters and the other quarterbacks. And so that's a number that I want to see cranked down significantly. But uh, I'm really looking forward to what this group could do because, I mean, you have seniors, you know, 80%, you know, well, not 80%, right? You're talking 60% of the offensive line. You know, I throw Kendrick Green in there kind of because it feels like he's been around for a long time. But I just really want to see what these guys can do, and I want them to be dominant. Martin is a guy who was on an offensive line that had a lot of experience together. What does it mean to have four guys who have started 25 plus games together? It means a lot. I mean, offensive line is all about chemistry and it's about, you know, knowing, you know, that if, you know, if you see a linebacker, you know, move out a gap, you know, you might not have enough time to communicate that before the snap, but, you know, you know that your tackle is seeing the same thing. You know that the center is seeing the same thing. And so a lot of it's chemistry, it's feel, and whether it's, you know, you're in zone blocking and you got to know whether you can hand it, you got to trust that, you know, the guy trailing behind you is going to be there or, you know, they run a stunt or they're running a twist up front. You got to make sure that you're both on the same level and kind of have that, that trust and that chemistry. And I think that's really the advantage. You have a lot of guys with a lot of experience and they've seen a lot of different things um, really in live action. And so, you know, I think you combine that with a group that physically is stronger than they've ever been. Um, They should be in the best shape that they've ever been in. And so, you know, I think that really sets things up nicely for this fall where, you know, again, they need to be dominant. They need to be dominant for this team to reach their potential. And I look forward to seeing them. 
Yeah, you mentioned consistency, Robert or Martin. I think the one thing that I, I saw was I thought one of their best games was Iowa. Um, I, I thought they really yeah. did well that game, and I thought Illinois lost because it lost the turnover battle, which it didn't do uh, during its win streak. And then against Northwestern, they just really couldn't establish uh, anything. So what do you think is the reason behind what you said? You want to see them be more consistent. Uh, maybe what's caused inconsistency in the past? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I haven't. I haven't broken it down enough to know exactly yeah. what happens. I can say typically when you have situations like that. Again, football's a funny thing, right? You can have ten guys doing the perfect job, but one guy doesn't do it right on one play, and the whole thing falls apart. And it seems like when you have an offense that's not able to, you know, really impose its will on every team that they play against, one that's hard to do. But two, it can be a variety of different factors. It can be one guy not taking a right, right step here. It can be one guy, you know, taking a wrong step or just slightly hesitating. They kind of throw things off and at the end of the day all the and you know the coaches used to tell me this all the time and I think it's the most accurate thing that I've ever you know heard with respect to offensive line play at the end of the day your offensive line all the best they can do is give it give a play the chance to be successful yeah that's it because they're not running the ball they're not catching the ball they're not throwing the ball but all they can do is try to give the quarterback enough time to attempt the pass try to give the running back a big enough lane to kind of get through the line of scrimmage what happens after that is in somebody else's hand and so you know again i, I think what they just what it what it comes down to is it's minimizing penalties you know no false starts you know really reining in some of the aggressive penalties you know holding things like that you know not hurting themselves or putting themselves in bad situations and then i think it's really just a matter of just doing that consistently play in play out and again these guys know the playbook they know the offense um you know they know rod smith's system now you have brandon peters coming back you know who your quarterback is his strengths his weaknesses you have an idea kind of where he's going to be setting up on every play and so again the table's really set for them to be successful and now they just got to go out and do it the offensive line usually doesn't get a lot of pub uh and i know you offensive linemen like to be mentioned as a group but i want to give a little bit of an individual breakdown of each of these starters martin because i don't know how many lay fans know about these guys and their strengths and and you know them well um so let's start with alex palcheski who has more starts than than anybody on this group and he's he's been there he's been a guard his freshman year then he moves uh to tackle and has, has been a really good run blocker what stands out about him and what's his next step uh if he wants to you know be playing at the next level yeah, you know, I think of Paltrow and I think of, you know, I, he, he's, he's the right tackle and he is what I think about a right tackle. You know, tough guy, you know, you know, excels in the run game, collapsed down the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, and I think I think Palcho is more athletic than some people give him credit for. And I think, you know, so he, he's a powerful guy, strong in the run game, you know, not afraid to stand up to anybody that he's playing against. And I think, you know, one area that, you know, he needs to continue to work on to be successful is just, you know, consistent pass sets. You know, you're playing in the Big Ten, you're playing against – you know, challenging defensive ends. And so when you have those guys who can, you know, beat them around the edge or have a couple of moves back inside, I think it's just him continuing to be consistent in his pass set and his technique. And that's something he's gotten better at, you know, every single year. So I look forward to, to what that looks like this fall. On the other side is Vidarian Lowe, who just has some physical traits that I think a lot of people are jealous of. Um, what have you thought of his growth the last couple of years and what's his next step? Yeah, I mean, I think Vidarian's done a great job of growing, and he uh, he obviously had you know had kind of an NFL body working in just in terms of the dimensions of it. I think he's done a nice job of of kind of reshaping that, you know, gaining strength, um, very agile on his feet. You know, I think of him, 
you know, I think, you know, he can be, you know, a left tackle where he has the foot quickness there. You know, I think for him, again, it's just continuing to play with great technique all the time. And that's really, you know, what this is for a lot of people. It's just consistency when it comes to it and trusting technique. And, you know, again, physically, Vidarian's not going to have uh, really physical limitations or be at a disadvantage when he's playing against any of these, you know, defensive ends or other guys that he winds up playing against in the Big Ten Conference. But again, it's just doing it consistently. It's maintaining great pad level because, you know, he's, I have no idea how strong he is in the weight room, but, you know, you watch him play and you can tell that he's got just got some of that natural strength as well. Doug Kramer is a, a former guy who was a gray shirt with Cubit, and then he makes his way to being now a four-year starter for Illinois. How does he overcome, you know, the lack of what you'd call Big Ten size? I think the only thing that, that Doug doesn't have when you talk about prototypical Big Ten size is is the height. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what they list him at, what, 6'1", 6'2", something like that. Um, but, you know, size-wise, I mean, he's probably, you know, he's you know probably 295, 300, somewhere in there. And what he makes up for that is, I mean, he's strong. He's got great foot quickness. I mean, you watch him. He Again, he's what you want in a center. He's tough. He's hard-nosed. But he's got that great quick first step where he can go and reach a nose or reach a shade, you know, really well. And then they also do a nice job, Rod Smith does, in, in utilizing him, you know, and pulling out in front of some runs. And and it's really challenging. I think people watch it and they take it for granted. I mean, it's hard enough just to pull and make a good block, you know, let alone snap, then take a step and pull and make a great block. So uh, I think Doug is really versatile. He plays with great technique um and again he's tough and he's played through some injuries um you know here throughout his career and you know i think when he got banged up at the end of last year it just you know hurt a little bit just because you wind up having to take kendrick and move him from guard to center uh that's not as easy a transition i thought kendrick did a pretty good job when he was in there but you know you just kind of wind up weakening a couple of positions uh, versus where you were previously so you know doug's a guy that i really enjoy watching when i turn on the film after every game you mentioned reach block to me. Um, for for people that don't know what that is, can, can you explain that, Martin? What a reach block is and what makes it difficult? Yeah, it's really tough. So, I mean, just in the most generic, in most generic form of it, if you, a lot of times the center will have somebody on one of his outside shoulders. You know, so say he's a center and they're running. You know, call it an outside zone to the right. He's going to have a defensive lineman on his right shoulder. It's really challenging for the center to snap the ball and then get good width with his right foot and then go and get his hat play side of that nose tackle. Yeah. Now, when you have a center who can do it, you completely cut off the floor of the defense and that opens up that run to the outside or you know, outside zone, inside zone, whatever you're running over there. Now, where things get strung out is if that center struggles to get his hat across and can't fully reach him, well, then that nose is kind of pushing the play further and further down the line of scrimmage, you know, to where there's other help. So, you know, where Doug really excels and where it's fun to watch, and, you know, people can watch this on Sundays. I mean, I know they're watching the ball or red zone or what have you, but, yeah. you know, when you watch some of the really good centers, when they get that quick first step with good width and they're able to completely cut off the floor of the defense, it just makes the running back job that much easier you know the guard and the tackle and if there's a tight end on that side it gives them a lot more latitude because then the running back can really run off of all those guys because they know that by and large the flow is cut off so Doug does a great job of having really good technique and great footwork and that's why it's so important to have that at the center position because you have somebody you know whose footwork is a little bit slow again that nose is just able to string things out and string things out and it just makes it really tough. Martin, that's a great breakdown. And uh, Blake Gerasati was going to be a really interesting addition, kind of a, a center-sized guy playing guard where Richie Pettibon uh, moves on after one year with Illinois where I thought he did a solid job filling in a roster hole there. Mm -hmm. Now you get uh, Virtus Brown or Jordan Slaughter. Um, Lovey Smith said it's their time to step up as, as redshirt sophomores. 
we won't be able to see them leading up to the season, but what have you seen from them in the past, Martin? And uh, what do you think Illinois needs from them? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a lot from them in the past. And so, you know, I'm going to be just as curious as you are. And that's one of the things where, uh, you know, really would have been watching this, you know, closely in spring ball this year, uh, you know, earlier this spring or in fall camp, you know, trying to watch. Because I think you look at the offensive line position again, we have all this experience. Okay. Well, a lot of that experience is going to graduate next year. So it's all going to come down to how have those guys been developing behind the scenes? How has Bob McClain been able to get through and develop those guys into offensive linemen? And so we're going to get a little sneak peek of it. You know, and one of these guys is going to have to step up. And, you know, ultimately I think it's going to be to the benefit of the program in the longer term, because you're going to have somebody in there that's getting a lot of experience and a lot of reps, but you're going to have somebody that has to step in and play at a high level simply because, you know, you know, between Doug Kramer on one side and, and Palcho on the other, you're going to have a lot of expectations. Now it's kind of ideal in that situation where a lot of times on an offensive line, if you kind of have to work around one guy, you can do that. You know, I was that one guy for, you know, at least a year where, you know, not experienced. You say, okay, well, you can you can slide protection one way or you can, um, you know, maneuver things or kind of work the offense around if you have somebody who you don't feel as confident about or who hasn't as experienced on the offensive line. It's when you have a couple of different spots along that line that you have trouble with. And so, you know, again, I think they can call things. They're going to figure out whoever wins that starting job. What can they do? What can they not do? And again, I think coaches, when they're doing their jobs, and I think Lovey Smith and Rod Smith in this case do a pretty good job of they're not asking guys to do things they're not capable of. In this case, if you have, you know, if Jordan Slaughter wins the job and he's not great and running out on screens and getting into the alley and getting a hat on a hat, well, then they're not going to call screens to the right because that's not or very much or if at all because that's not something he excels at. So I think that's going to be something they obviously you know have had time to start evaluating here uh, in the past couple of weeks and will be ramped up more as they kind of get into pads. All right, the last guy I wanted to bring up here is, is Kendrick Green. And uh, there were moments last year where um, I just I just said, wow. <laughs> I thought Iowa stands out, uh, some of the moments he had against their offensive line. Um, what have you thought of, of his growth and what are his strengths so far, Martin? Well, I, I think, you know, his, his, his biggest strength is his strength, yeah. right? I mean, I think you, you got a guy in Kendrick Green who, you know, one of the strongest guys on the team and, you know, obviously has some really nice agility and can kind of get can get moving uh, as a part of that too. He's, he's not all that big and stiff. And so, you know, I think Kendrick Green, you know, again, from a power standpoint, there's not going to be a single person that he plays against all season uh, who he's going to be at a physical disadvantage against. And it's going to be more so the flip side of it. He's going to be stronger and more powerful than the guy that he's going against. And so I think, you know, his challenge is going to continue to be just using great technique. And I feel like I've said that for just about everybody, but that's, that's just kind of the growth path of every offensive lineman is, you know, using great technique on a consistent basis and really trusting it. And, you know, whether that's just in one-on-one pass protection or whether that's, you know, play action pass protection where you really have to sell run. And sometimes that's tougher mentally for an offensive lineman who's younger to really kind of sell that run and transition to a pass block, Uh, but it works and you just have to trust it and commit to it. So, um, you know, Kendrick Green is a really fun guy to watch. I think he's got, probably the most uh, the most kind of wow blocks in yeah. terms of, you know, you watch them and you're like, holy cow, that was, you know, one, that's not easy to do. And two, I don't know how many times I've seen that before. And so um, he's really got that in him and it's fun to watch. And again, you know, when we see these guys working in concert, it can be a thing of beauty. And so that's why, 
you know, again, I'm really high on this offensive line, and I want to just see them be dominant. I don't want to see them be counted as, you know, one of the better offensive lines in the Big Ten. I want them to be the best offensive line in the Big Ten, and I think we'll have an opportunity to really do that and make a statement, again, the opening game against Wisconsin. Last one for you, uh, Martin, before we switch to the defensive line is, the run game did take a dip last year, and I think that's for multiple reasons. One being that A.J. Bush wasn't a part of this, so defenses mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about that, and they could key on Reggie Corbin. The other one, Reggie Corbin, and I kind of expected this, didn't have as many long runs last year, even though right. he was still productive. Um, how much do you think was on the offensive line, or was that just another factor, or how much of a factor do you think that was? Well, I mean, I think you have to say some of it's on the offensive line. Again, not having the rushing production that you did. Certainly, um, you know, certainly A.J. Bush as, as a runner, you know, opens up a lot more things. You know, I think, you know, Rob Smith did a really nice job as the year kind of went along, really utilizing Brandon Peters more in his athleticism because Brandon's pretty athletic as well. And so I just think it's, again, as you think schematically, when you're playing against, uh, you know, an opposing offense, if that quarterback is a run threat, a defender has to account for him on every single play. And when he's not a run threat and you don't have to account for him, well, then you're able to kind of outnumber the offense depending on what their formation is. But most of the time you're able to kind of outnumber him, just makes the margin of error that much more, that much thinner. And so I think that's a factor, you know, certainly Reggie with all those long runs a couple of years ago, you know, just kind of regression to the mean, he's right. probably not going to do that again. Uh, but some of it is on the offensive line. Again, I think all they can do, I think when you see a drop kind of that severe, you know, some of that has to do with, you know, blocking inconsistent you know, again, it's not all the offensive line. You have receivers, you have tight ends, but ultimately you look at those things. It's the offensive line that's got to take ownership um, and really make it happen. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, you know, do they use Brian Peters more as a runner from the start of the season? And then obviously they got to find, um, you know, a couple guys to step up in the backfield, really looking forward to Mike Epstein being healthy again, um, as he's been a lot of fun to watch over the past couple of years. That's Martin O'Donnell on the offensive line. And the reason I didn't wrap up with him there is because you got another part coming up with Martin O'Donnell. Uh, I talked defensive line with him. I, I thought of some other guys I could bring in and talk defensive line. And you know, some of them have been really good in the NFL. But I know none of them have paid attention as much as Martin O'Donnell to the line play, to what Illinois has right now. And I had a great conversation, of course, with Martin about the defensive line. And a lot of the defensive line is unknown because they lose so much. But you get a second part of Martin O'Donnell, which I think after, if you listen to that, what you did, if you got to this point, uh, you're going to look forward to that football conversation. Hope you learned a little bit more about the offensive line. Of course, one of my favorite parts of training camp is kind of figuring out what's next. How do the younger guys look? And that's sadly something we're not going to learn this fall, maybe next spring, but I'm doubting I get to watch spring practice next year. So uh, going into next year, offensive line could be a big unknown. Though you do get the upside of Blake Gerasati's injury is you do get Blake Gerasati likely replacing Doug Kramer because I think Doug will probably move on after this year. I think Alex Bocheski of Darian Lowe will move on after next year. But if you do get Blake Gerasati at center and say Kendrick Green does come back for his final year, then I think you have some uh, makings of, of a decent returning offensive line because Virtus Brown or Jordan Slaughter will be a starter returning most likely. Maybe the other guy has experience coming back. And then you're looking for Brevin Jones maybe to step up as a transfer. Or do you see guys who have been in the program for a couple of years like Julian Pearl, Josh Poor, Evan Kurtz? Do those guys take a big step forward? Or do you see some of these young guys uh, ready for a role really early in their career, kind of like the offensive line now, you know, talking about guys like Kevin Tyler, Blaze Sparks, Pfeiffer Griffin. We haven't been able to see those guys yet. 
Brody Wise Carver coming in is, is a guy um, that could play possibly early in his career in the class of 2021. But the good news is you got one more year, one more fall, that you should have a pretty good offensive line here. And where it should be a stable force uh, of your team as long as you're able to stay healthy. And uh, Illinois has, has had pretty good luck there. Outside of Doug Kramer last year in that final game getting hurt, uh, they've been able to stay healthy up front. If they're healthy again this year, I think Illinois is going to have the be- one of the better offensive lines in the Big Ten West. Hope you enjoyed that with Martin. You'll hear more of Martin O'Donnell tomorrow on the podcast, previewing the Illini defensive line. Thank you for listening. As always, we got the latest from Illini training camp. We're basically talking to players and coaches every day now. Check that out, Illini Inquire, and I'll continue our position primers as well from the VIP side of things. And we'll get the latest on recruiting. I've had some people talking about they want more recruiting lounges, and while there hasn't been as much going on in recruiting due to the pandemic and there's not a ton of buzz out there, I do have some things uh, I want to get out there. And uh, considering, considering, I'm not promising, but I'm considering a crystal ball pick uh, here very shortly. So that might tease you a little bit there. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Choir Podcast. wonderful time of the year fantasy baseball draft season is upon us which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank sample six times per week throughout march sleepers breakouts busts, live mock drafts spring training updates and everything in between every monday through saturday make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found